Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This highly practical podcast series explores HR and management hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Brought to you by Actors Software, our aim is to build a better workplace for people. The HR Uprising is about collaborating and supporting each other to build the confidence and skills to rise up to each challenge and deliver real, lasting business value. You can find out more at hruprising.com or join our LinkedIn community. Now introducing your host, chartered psychologist, best-selling author, entrepreneur and speaker, Lucinda Carney. Hi, everybody. I just wanted to jump on and say hello and Happy New Year. Hopefully you enjoyed our selection of the guest episode last week. And I wanted to give you the heads up of some of the podcast episodes that are coming your way. So I'm really excited that Lizzie Henson from the HR Ninjas fame is joining us, as well as the fantastic Perry Timms. And then we are going to our 100th episode. And I'm honoured that I have Dave Ulrich from number one HR influencer in the world, um, as coined for many people, uh, joining me for our 100th episode. So some great stuff coming up. In line with that, really interested to know whether or not you are, want me to cover specific topics. I'm going to run a session in a couple of weeks on how to design a mentoring programme, and that's come directly from your feedback. And also to give you the heads up that I've started running collaboration focus groups um, for people who are members of the HR Uprising LinkedIn group to gather relevant insight and knowledge from you guys that I can then turn into podcast material, um, circulating more broadly. So if you're interested in a specific topic, you might want to go to our website, www.actus.co.uk um, and look out for one of our collaboration focus groups. Join our LinkedIn group so that you can have a heads up. Um, we only have sort of up to about eight people attend each one of them. So they're quite focused, as is the name. Um, but it's good to let you know so that we can make sure that people with the right experience can come on and we can therefore share that experience with our HR uprising listeners. And finally, one other thing to make you aware of, you'll see if you go to our website, is we've now got three virtual training programs going really popular actually. So we've got our virtual manager training program. We've got a number of courses happening, open programs happening. I'm going to run how to be a change superhero again, probably March, April. So there's some places available on that. And we've also got the brand new Accelerate Potential course. And that's aimed at entry-level professionals who have ended up joining organisations in their first role in these mad times. And of course, they've not had graduate training schemes or anything like that. So we've got three fantastic training programmes, which are really getting fantastic feedback. Uh, if you or know of anybody who'd be interested, we run them as open programmes and in-house programmes, so it might be worth checking out. So on now with our Real HR episode, I'm delighted to introduce Laura Burt. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And we have got a real HR episode this week. And I'm so pleased to have Laura Burt here today to tell us about her career journey and some of her real life HR learnings, I guess, and stories from along the way. So Laura, thank you so much for joining me. You're Head of Human Resources at Innovative Trials, and we'll hear a little bit more about what your current role is. I know we've just been chatting. You've um, launched, you joined in a COVID year, so you've had a baptism of fire. Uh, So Laura, welcome to the HR Uprising. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
So as you know, the purpose of this is really to inspire others about, you know, different journeys that people can go on, what we've learned along the way um, as HR professionals, mm-hmm. um, and see if I guess others can can glean pearls of wisdom from your experiences. In terms of your career, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into HR in the first place and, and a bit about your career path? Yeah, totally. So I think I had a bit of a strange uh career path into HR really and I think sometimes actually that kind of gives you the more basic groundings for it so um, I was always quite academic at school I was kind of a head student I was that person that kind of really loved learning and and engaging at school but never wanted to go to university which you know when I was at that age everyone that was your path you went to university if you were quite academic and I think we're moving away from that now which I think is a really exciting era but um you know, my teachers go just go to university and study anything, and and I didn't want to do it. And at the time, I was working part time as a team leader at Sainsbury's at the time, and thought, you know, my dad turned around to me and said, Laura, everyone needs food. And um, you know, I think recently in the pandemic, we've now got a totally new appreciation for these people working in retail. Yeah, and it is a tough job. Um, so I went into that, and I became a department manager for them when I was nineteen, and. Um, headed up kind of the bakery team at one point and checkouts and did a variety of different roles around um, the store and did a good probably eight years for them you know my mates are at uni having all this party time and I'm working hard and bought my own flat and things at 21 and kind of aspired to kind of get into career that way and the bit I suppose for me when I was a department manager was the people side of it the kind of the HR side of a department manager's role and particularly in retail, anyone listening to this that works in retail now, HR has been gone down to kind of bare bones in in retail across multiple different organisations. And there's a real reliance on department managers to kind of offer that themselves. And um, I really loved that side of it. So took the leap to work for Morrison's as a people manager. And um, that's kind of where my HR career journey started, really, um, to kind of embed everything that I'd learned being a department manager and HR to really lead in a store in their HR function, really. So you were still um, officially, officially a line manager at this stage, not officially mm-hmm. HR? Yeah. So kind of because of all the experience I'd learned around, you know, when you're a department manager in kind of a supermarket, you do disciplinaries, you do grievances, you do appeals, mm-hmm. you do kind of attendance management and, and all of that that, um, you know, gives you a real good understanding, but also then like appraisals and, you know, training all of that came under a department manager's remit, not people function in those right. um, supermarkets. Yep. So I went into just a more specialist people manager function um, in Morrison's and kind of started the more formalised career journey there into HR, um, which was, you know, I think if you can do retail, you can do anything. Um, it's such a tough profession to be in and massive respect for that sector. Um, you know. What's, what do you think is particularly tough about it for people who haven't been in that sector? You know, I think over the last probably 15 years, I did 14 years in retail overall, and we saw wage budgets cut and cut and cut. And as a people manager in those sectors, you had to manage that wage budget for your store. Um, we saw, you know, restructures, redundancies, um, you know, having to do mass recruitment at Christmas, for example, and all the rotor planning. And, you know, you can't guarantee, you know, what's coming. None of us could have said in February that there was going to be that huge footfall that these stores saw. Yeah you can only try your best to try and forecast it really and it's um you never know what you're going to come into the next day really one thing you know you could have all the best lay plans in the world 
and the next morning you come in and your delivery hasn't arrived and your shop's not full um but you've ultimately got to provide that customer service um so yeah it's a really difficult sector to be in you know when you're working christmas and easter mm-hmm. and bank holidays and all your family are at home um that's a really difficult time sometimes and i guess motivating people to do that and getting loyalty from people particularly in that situation so there's a whole concept of retail being key workers but not as glamorous yeah. if in inverted commas as um an nhs worker yeah. but, you know the criticality of it and having to deal to deal with that so yeah. so would you say you had a particular um trait or what is it have you got a particular personality that you think that, that particularly thrives in that environment that you know, I love to talk to people. Um, you know, I think that's really intrinsic to me. And I like to get to know different people and, and what makes them them, I suppose. Um, and a manager many, many moons ago said to me, he always found out three interesting facts about that employee. And I suppose I've probably followed in those footsteps to some extent, because it's about understanding what makes our employees and our team tick, I suppose, you know, what motivates them, what engages them. And there isn't a one size fits all approach to it. And yeah, there's some rules and procedures that we have to be, you know, across the board, kind of embed, but actually, how we do it how we engage with people is so different and I love that side of the job really I really enjoy that so genuinely interesting people so you feel as a natural Mm. piece so this is Morrison's and then you sort of evolved into HR uh, you'd got the people skills because you're saying because of retail actually you were doing HR in the line but then you form you're officially in HR now did you go into HR in Morrison's or yes so I was HR people manager as they called them at the time in Morrison's or I think when I first went into it, we were called store personnel managers. Um, so there's a bit of a blast yeah. from the path. But um, when we went into people managers and we would manage the whole people function of a shop, um, you know, we had cleaners under our remit to make sure that our stores were clean. And we had a canteen to offer staff their food and stuff that was all under our remit. We had a very broad remit. Um, but we would then support on a regional basis. So if there was like grievances or disciplinaries elsewhere, we would go and support with appeals and things like that. So, um yeah, we weren't necessarily embedded to our store, but, you know, they could turn around to you on a Friday and say, from Monday, you're in this new store and these are the issues. Go and fix it. And there's lots of stuff to stop because of the nature of the workforce. And, and there's lots of stuff, people stuff, I guess mm. you, you, you've, you've got totally. lots of things happening all the time, right? Yeah. All got... the time. Yeah. You got, you know, you're running at staff. In my last shop, um, we had a number of people that didn't celebrate Christmas. So for us, it made sense to run a 365 day operation. So they worked, they were more than happy to work Christmas Day and Boxing Day because there was quite a lot of financial incentive for them on that. But that meant you had people working 365 days a year, 24 hours a day. You know, those yeah. things could happen at any time of the day. Um, yes. You know, you could have multiple people resign in one week because they had short notice periods. So then how do you react to that? It's a very reactive um Role. Yeah. Yes, I can imagine. And is, is there any opportunity to be more strategic, or is that just not? That's just not the way it works in retail. No, I think there is opportunity to be um, strategic. I think there's some real opportunities around development. I think um, it's evolved far more now. Um, there's more development around kind of the offerings of management training and kind of career planning really they now have kind of career conversations which I think is really engaging because people can make a career out of retail and I don't think people necessarily see that and there's lots of opportunities around graduates and things um there's also like 
you know, if you're looking at your KPIs, they were very KPI focused in retail, but actually there are some strategic decisions you can make around that. So how do you monitor and improve attendance? That's not something that you can do straight away. That's a, a longer term thing that you need to kind of think about what are the increments of, of making that change and making sure people come through that change with you. Yeah. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Two to it. So, so then you obviously were quite passionate about retail. You then moved completely out of it. Obviously, you're in a different thing now. So, why did you leave? And I think uh, you know, work-life balance is a massive thing. I've got two very small little boys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they you, trying to balance retail, being in at six in the morning, finishing at midnight is it's really yeah. difficult and um my little boys needed their mum around a bit more and so I kind of needed to balance that out and also it was the opportunity to take that next step in my career really so yeah I went to my local hospice um as their director of HR and volunteering and that was just such an uh, amazing uplifting job more so than people would ever imagine mm. um yeah so that was great oh so you sound quite emotional because you felt you were really making a difference to people there in totally. terms of yeah yeah, and I think anyone that can take an opportunity at any point in their career to go and work in the third sector, um, it makes you really astute about your budgeting because yeah. you really have to think about how you spend your money and is it, you know, what's the cost benefit and to a to business. And I think, you know, when you're in a large corporate and things, you can kind of go, oh, that's okay, it's within budget, but actually how can you save money? What's the benefit? What's the impact? It yeah. really makes you focus on that. Yeah. But also, you know, we, we have people that – aren't on the best salaries in the world um so they're there for the passion of the job and when we talk about people and what motivates them and things that's a totally different type of motivation um and that was a really interesting kind of part to kind of anticipate really and see yeah i I mean i I can imagine that that's well in terms of the the other thing about it you're saying you're managing people who were volunteers as well so given their time Mm. they weren't even paid they're giving their time for free as well but that, yeah, that, so we had um, do that. So we had nearly 300 staff, well, 250 staff, and over a thousand volunteers um, during my time there. And that is a really tricky one because they feel embedded in the in the kind of company, which is great. They feel like they're part of that charity. They're really delivering something, but ultimately they don't have to be there if they don't want to be there. So that motivation yeah. is a very different motivation to try and balance because, you know, ultimately when they're an employee, there's always that ground level motivation of the financial mm. reward. Actually, you know, our volunteers wanted the the, the praise and the interaction and, you know, the, the, the small things really of being identified for the great work that they do but when you've got a thousand that's really tough yeah so um, it goes back to that classic recognition and and the stuff that doesn't cost anything but actually totally. takes time and effort yeah um and people not necessarily in how it's doing it that's interesting yeah. so did you have to try and influence did you try and influence managers to do that or how what did you do yeah so it? we had to do a lot of work particularly with our shops so we had um but towards the end of my time there, I had 11 shops that, so there was a trading company and the hospice subsidiary kind of together um, under one big organization. And so we had 11 shops that majority of our volunteers were obviously in those those trading company shops. And it's about kind of upskilling our shop managers on how to engage with volunteers and how to motivate them and talk to them about training opportunities and other things that they can try out. And, you know, if John's always done books for you when he comes in, how can we motivate him to try something different? So he's really loving what he's doing. And, you know, we only had two people that worked in the voluntary services team as employees. So trying to get them to spend time in each of the shops 
was really, really hard. And yeah. no matter how many times you survey volunteers, they'll always say they've never seen um, directors or whatever. Yeah. But actually, sometimes it, it just wasn't aware. So simple things of giving them a new lanyard that made out that they were a volunteer and th- that to them became like a bit of a badge of honour. Like, yeah, I'm a volunteer and I'm important here. So it's all so, about understanding what matters to them. Is it? Not, yeah, not totally. Yeah, great. Yeah. And then uh, you moved on February this year, you moved into Innovative Trials. Yeah. So tell us a bit about this role. So this is a new this is a new sector for me again. Um, it was a bit of a challenge because it was a new sector and, you know, just came at the right time, I suppose, ready to go back to being full time, etc. Um, so we are a pharmaceutical company that specialise in patient recruitment for clinical trials. So, so, so apt at the moment when mm. we talk about all of the COVID vaccines that are out there at the moment. But, um, you know, there's still a stigma around kind of trials and participating in trials and some people don't think they should do them some people think that they're going to be a golden bullet that's going to solve all of their their issues and it's about we support kind of clinical research organizations and pharmaceutical companies to recruit the right patients into the right trial and retain them because actually a lot of these drugs don't come through those research processes because they don't retain those those volunteers on their trials so um, yeah, our team of specialists work on that. And we're going through a really rapid period of growth, which is exciting, but kind of it presents its challenges when you're trying to recruit as heavily as we are in the middle of a global pandemic. And, and, and it's all chicken and egg there because you're needing to recruit, I'm assuming, because are you providing people for COVID trials then? Um, we know. So interestingly, because COVID trials aren't, we work on more specific, like bespoke trials that are really difficult to recruit into. Everyone right. wants to be part of COVID because yeah. it's big on the the agenda at the moment so um yeah we work on kind of more bespoke ones globally um but you know we've got more and more companies wanting our services as these patient recruitment specialists so you know we've got big growth plans we've doubled our headcount since february um you know our hr department when i joined was 1.2 maybe whole time equivalents and we're now five six as today um you know that's a great investment as a company to kind of go we see that you know HR has a really positive impact upon a company. So in your head of have you been recruiting people in then in terms of this into the, the new roles coming in or what what is your role specifically? Yeah so I head up the kind of whole HR team so within my team we've got talent um, acquisition manager and he's now got an assistant as of today because we are just that flat out. Um, I have two advisors and I've got a training manager and a facilities manager that will report into me. So my purpose is to kind of look at that strategic vision for our growth. How does that underpin from HR and people perspective? What does that mean in terms of talent development internally? What does that mean in terms of bringing in new talent? Um, you know, apprenticeships is something I'm really passionate about and bringing people in that way and kind of building our own yes um, team really because, talent. yeah totally so that's 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 quite exciting then you've almost a greenfield site that you've been able to yeah. look at what the requirement is and and build it out and ha- have the support yeah. and the business growing at that space um, that, that pace so how many employees yeah. are there so we're now at 78 um so we have doubled since uh february but we're looking to within the next 12 months double again so right. um yeah it's you know picking up pace it's, yeah, we've not had we've had not had a moment of calm since we started. So, is it kind of like, what what are the people doing? Is it like a recruitmenty type role role that people are doing? It's um it's a very unique role. So basically, those that work in our clinical operations side um will advise on 
patient recruitment strategies. So they might, we have a team that do all kind of the flyers and patient information material and um, kind of advice to GPs, et cetera, about these clinical trials. But then we've got our site operations teams that will work with the pharmaceutical company or clinical enrollment managers around the world and kind of go, right, if you're looking for this, if you're doing this study into this illness, then we can see that you need to recruit from this demographic because we're seeing that there's a higher prevalence in these demographics and this is where you might find them. So it's a really niche market that we work in. Mm -hmm. Um, But then on the other side of things, we then have our back office. So we've got our own software developers and finance and proposals and contracts teams as well so um yeah it's interesting so along the way so you obviously you stopped and had your kids you've also got yeah. your your CIPD qualified aren't you you've done your yeah. MCIPD how have you sort of developed yourself or what was that when did you do that and um, and was that a key part for you yeah so when I went to the hospice I only worked four days a week and I was um I think the CIPD level seven I wanted to do it kind of for my self-fulfillment really and realised that, you know, I could do it and it served a purpose. And if I'm honest, the first few modules, I was like, oh my Lord, it was all the strategic big words kind of, and, and I'm not that sort of person. I just want to put it into layman's terms and get my team motivated and engaged to do it. But then as those modules went along, I was like, actually, I can see the purpose of this and and I can take away the big words and we can just make it fit to what we need it to fit to and so for me that was kind of my self-fulfillment and wanting to feel that I never did go to uni all those years ago yeah but actually I have made something of myself um but I don't just leave it there so you know I'm now delivering training internally on HR and employment law etc and you know those CIPD kind of refresher courses and things I think they're really worthwhile because you know there's so much going on out there in the moment in the employment field that to, to kind of rest on our laurels and not do anything about our own development would be a really naive thing to do because we would definitely miss something. Yes. And it is good that it gives you the confidence, doesn't it? If you've gone and done that, you can go, actually, I know what I'm doing. I, I know where to go and look back at the, um, the, the theory or the best practice, those sort of yeah. things. So it's, it's quite good because it's applied. Do you, would yeah. you change anything about um, your career? Would you do anything different if you go back on it? Um, essentially, I would never have gone to university. Um, I would have probably gone into the more specialised HR field sooner. Um, I think, you know, retail, to some extent, does burn you out. There is a point at which you kind of burn out. And um, I think the one thing that I really struggled with in retail is that personification of kind of going, actually, you know, Flossie's got X going on. It was a kind of a blanket approach when you've when you're in a large organisation. But I think now that I've gone into kind of a smaller organisation and kind of like my experience at the hospice, I feel like now I can use that that I've got and kind of I've learnt from it. So yes. I wouldn't necessarily change it because I've learnt from it. Yeah. Um. But I'm really happy with where we got to now. And so it feels it feels like you've gone on the journey. You're in the right place at the moment. Totally. Yeah. What would you? What advice would you give somebody else? Um. Who's thinking about HR or wanted to break into HR or a younger Laura what would you definitely reading up you know so I think there is you know that power of self-learning is huge um you know even now I'll sit down and read some kind of books I've had some sent to me and things that actually you know we're never experts in everything and I think sometimes there's an expectation that HR should be the experts in everything and we're not always the expert in everything if we're a HR generalist you know um and it's okay to say, actually, do you know what? I'm not the expert in that. I'm going to go and find the person that is and learn from it because you never know when you're going to need that again. 
Um, and the power of asking questions and digging a little deeper, I suppose, is a real powerful thing um, because that's when you find out the, the most intrinsic detail. And that's you've got to be confident to do that, haven't you? Confident enough to ask mm. a question, not to appear stupid, but to actually mm. feel actually it's OK to ask or let me go and get someone else to be the expert. That's something mm. um, which, is, which is kind of key. What's it like? Um, are you part of the executive team or how, how do you work strategically within the organisation? Yeah, so I'm part of the leadership team here. So I work with two associate directors, the CEO and the COO. Um, so I report directly into the CEO. Um, we will have daily communication. Um, you know, we're very open and honest with each other and kind of, you know, I'm now clear on it's taken a while because, you know, we've had a lot to deal with this mm. this year to kind of go, actually, what is their vision? What's their five year vision? Um, and let's break that down into kind of smaller bite-sized chunks and how can we make that more purposeful for our team and kind of make it more visionary for people um so yeah i'm kind of involved with not just a hr strategy but the whole overall company strategy development great so you're yeah so you can really make sure that people underpin it i mean i thought that, that doesn't surprise me when you said that you know you've been given headcount to mm. to extend so clearly they're seeing the value of the people profession and and what you're doing totally. in there. but you're yeah. and you're helped by the fact you're aligned within it that's great totally. so I guess in terms of how how this year any any other things in terms of your learnings from this year and the challenges you were, we were talking earlier about things like onboarding remotely any top tips that you've found for, um for coping <laughs> is it that you share um, your nuggets of learning I think this year has really kind of obviously shown us we never know what's around the corner um, mm. and actually you know we are really lucky we had a really great embedded IT system here um, I think totally having the power to have some fun I think you know we're, when we're whenever we read stuff we talk about how we can communicate with people remotely and you know how we can do appraisals remotely or how we can send emails and you know but actually do you know what have a bit of a laugh with it so you yeah. know we're doing a company I spy at the moment we've got we're hiding a little elf around the office um for those of us that are in and you know my team we had a fancy dress Friday on a zoom call um because actually you know letting people see that it's okay to be human and actually sometimes we have a bad day sometimes we have a good day um but the only way we do that is if we role model it and you know have a bit of fun whilst we're working I like that absolutely easy to forget to have fun isn't it in this moment so, totally uh, yeah yeah it's a very serious world at the moment so actually let's just have a bit of a laugh whilst we uh, whilst we navigate through it and that's actually some of the things that you don't necessarily get when you're all remote the things where you just share a joke or just a laugh at something mm -hmm. as well so actually creating the opportunity to do it virtually is this a really yeah. nice thing to do totally great well, well Laura thank you so much for coming on the HR Uprising it's been really lovely to hear your your story um it sounds you. exciting in terms of where you're going and continue to um go along that path it sounds great what you what you're involved in, in at innovative trials um if people want to link in with you are they happy you happy for people to reach out and link in i don't know how totally, you yeah. work are you into networking or collaboration with other professionals yeah no totally more than happy to have people find me on linkedin um, and give me an ad yeah brilliant so it's Laura likewise if there's any like juniors out there you know i'm more than happy to do some mentoring and kind of linking in with people in that way oh that's fantastic thank you and also your whole piece about um your apprenticeships as well i guess if the people are making that work you're looking at doing things like that as well internally yes. in collaboration with others um yeah there get you with part of, actively as part of our hr uprising group let's see uh that's we need to do more of that kind of thing i think sharing of information and sharing of, of ideas would be really really good brilliant brilliant well, thank you so much um, and uh, really appreciate you coming on, on the HR Uprising, Laura. Lovely to meet thank you. Thank you so much. And you. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 
proudly brought to you by Actor Software, the joined-up performance and talent management solution. You can access links to any of the information or resources mentioned in the show via the podcast page at www.hruprising.com. If you like what we do, please subscribe, tell your colleagues, and leave a review. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising. 